Hey, it's Sergeant Stavros here from How Good Is This, the Thug Mills podcast. You know and love Thug Mills from our short film, Thuggies Do China. So why don't you check out the pod? Now, I won't try and convince you by pretending to be the Green Day manager. I've actually done something useful and prepared a compilation of our best skits. But I won't disrespect the 30-second time limit either, so I have to play them all at once. Shut the job. No time for me. Right now, so here Thug Mills. It's episode 225 of the Andy Social Podcast. My name is Andy. Surprise, surprise. Who would have thought? And before we kick into this week's episode, I am on Patreon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Patreon.com slash Andy Dowling. If you're familiar with Patreon, you can go over there and check it all out. If you're not, go and check it out anyway. I've got uh, three simple tiers uh, that start from a dollar a month if you just want to feel good about yourself and support what I do, um, and a bunch of other things over there as well. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll notice that there's been a change in format. No more crazy talk episodes in your feed. However, if you go over to Patreon, they are exclusive to Patreon supporters moving forward. So go and check all that out over at patreon.com slash Andy Dowling. A big shout out to my social circle tier supporters on Patreon. That's a bit of a tongue twister. I've got Andrew from Perth, Mick G from Sydney, Ash from Deniloquin, almost uh, tripped over that one, Dan from Dapto, and Rod from Ray Lee in North Carolina. Thank you very much, folks. And uh, go and check it all out over at patreon.com slash Andy Dowling. All right, let's kick into the episode. Thank you. Yeah, that's right, folks. It is episode 225 of the podcast. We're chugging away here. And this week's episode is with Curtis Dewar. Curtis is a heavy music PR guru. He's got his own PR company called Dewar PR. You can learn about his world by going to duarpr.wordpress.com. He's also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for duarpr. It's D-E-W-A-R. And of course, you can go to my websites, andysocial.net and andydaling.net, where I'll have all the links and stuff that we discuss in the show notes as well. But Curtis is a wealth of knowledge. He's been in the PR game and the heavy music world for a few years now. So he's got some great perspectives. And I connected with him a few months ago uh, on his podcast that he does with Matt Bacon and Keefe from Ghost Cult magazine called The Dumb and Dumbest Podcast. A fantastic podcast, highly recommended for any musos out there, especially in the DIY space. Uh, lots of great ideas and discussions and topics that they cover. And I've certainly learned uh, quite quite a bit over the last couple of years of listening to their podcast. So it was cool to be on theirs. You can listen to me on on their show. But uh, this podcast is pretty much uh, the same sort of thing. We're, we're talking about DIY life, uh, musicians, how to get their music out there, interact on social media and, um, and some great perspective from Curtis, who is got the PR hat on. Um, he's not a musician. Uh, he's come from this PR background and, uh, just, um, just a lot of great insight. And so we go off on a bunch of different tangents. We talk about different things, talk about books that we're reading and, and knowledge and, and information that we can learn from other industries and apply it in music and just lots of great stuff. So musos, get your pens out. You'll be having lots of ideas to jot down and uh, hopefully you get a lot out of this episode. So enough waffling on from me. Please enjoy this great chat with Curtis Dewar. Given everything that's going on globally at the moment, how's that impacted your sort of day-to-day with um, all of your PR work? Uh, well, it has and it hasn't. I mean, like, I mean, I got the whole family home now, so I got uh, the two kids are, uh, here and you know there's a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old so uh it's kind of like uh 
a little bit different. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I mean, it really hasn't really affected too much so far. I mean, it's like, it's not business as usual, obviously, but, um, I mean, most sites are still posting. Uh, most people are answering their emails still. Uh, the only thing I've really noticed that seems to be different is that, um, bands seem to either be overly active or overly inactive, if that makes sense. Mm, polar, polar, polarizing. Yeah, pretty much because it's either like they're all out on social media or they're just sitting around watching TV or something like that, right? <laughs> so, well, it's true. Like, yeah. I mean, today me and, me and Matt talked to um, Trevor from the Black Dahlia murder today on our podcast, and we did an interview with him. And I mean, like he said, he he's taken advantage of this time to do like 100 interviews in the last two weeks, mm. right? So there's a guy right there that's doing that. And then, I mean, other bands, like I'll have, like I'll, I'll, I have some clients that, you know, they still haven't answered interviews. I sent them three, four weeks ago, Yeah, you know? So it, you know, it, 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 for me, it's not really that much different, but it just seems like with my clients, it's just like either they're totally in and they're like, you know, they're promoting themselves and they're playing ball or it's kind of like they're not, you know what I mean? Mm. I've, I've noticed that with just, you know, peers and, and people I associate with on a day-to-day basis, it's, it's, it's gone in, in extremes in either direction. I think some people have looked at this period of time as almost like a, a convenient uh, excuse to, to chill and, and not do a mm-hmm. hell of a lot, which is fine and, you know, power to you mm-hmm. if, you can, if you can get away with doing it. And then other people have sort of looked at it and gone, wow, this is, um, this is the time to sort of look around and, and go, well, what do I need to clean up? What do I need to fix up? What, what are some things I can catch up on and take advantage of, you know, uh, this, this, well, it's not downtime, but it's just this different environment that we're in. Well, yeah. It, well, I mean, it is downtime to a degree, right? Like, but I mean, at the same time, it's just like, I mean, honestly, I, I, I'm probably working more right now than before any of the shutdown happened, just because of the fact, like, you know, there's more time to do podcasting. Um, we were doing lives every day for a while. I stopped doing that because I just, I had way too much stuff I had to do. Right. Mm. But, you know, it's just, you know, it, you're right. It's the polar opposite. It's either super busy or like you said, chill out. It's, there's doesn't really seem to be much of an in-between to be honest. Yeah. Um, have you noticed that um, from a label point of view that people are sort of rethinking their release schedule because of what's going on at the moment and the fact that you can't sort of hit the road and, and start promoting your product and people sort of going, well, let's, let's leave these releases on ice for the time being. Yes and no. I had one label that I work with. They canceled, well, they didn't cancel. They postponed uh, two releases uh, until June, if I'm not mistaken. It might've been July, but I think it was June off the top of my head. Um, but the reason why is because they're located in Italy. Yeah. And that's where they've had the lockdown going for even longer. Like, I think with them, it was like they actually could not produce the product was the problem, right? Um, other than that, though, I, ha- I, like, I haven't seen anything yet where people are delaying other than um, I've seen a few major bands that I, I, that I haven't worked with uh, that have announced postponement of their, of their releases. But other than that, I mean, it really hasn't been too much. But just as an aside, here's what I'm concerned about, though is that if there is a lot of postponement, um, I have a feeling that the already busy September to November time where everybody already releases is going to get even more stacked mm. because I have a feeling that I predicted like a month ago that I think a bunch of labels will end up postponing stuff till the winter just so that way they can tour. And if that happens, I mean, this 
fall is going to be an absolute clusterfuck. Just it, like, if it does. Yeah, that's right. And there's only so much attention to to go around, and and so many sort of avenues yeah. to to promote uh, what you're doing. And I mean, you know, on a normal day, it's 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 pretty busy these days, as far as you know the amount of the amount of uh, you know releases and and content in general, just in a, in a general sense. But I mean, even from our point of view as a band, I mean, we weren't we had a couple of sort of very uh, interim releases that we we're going to put out this year, just some sort of in between stuff that we we're going to work on, just to keep uh, keep some content out there. And we're going to hit the road and just do a little bit of touring towards the tail end of the year. And then when these first uh, few postponements of, of from a touring point of view started to happen, we um, we sort of thought, well, if we still you know schedule ourselves for like a September October sort of run of shows, um, mm-hmm. there's suddenly so much more that's going to be happening around that time where there's going to be clashes. You know, from an average sort of fan perspective, people that are going to pay to go and see a band, they're only going to have so many shows that they're able to afford to go to. And yep. so when we just thought, well, and, and you also have to book so far in advance as well. And so we just thought, well, you know what, it's probably going to be safer for us to start, just to hold out and uh, look at sort of early next year at the at the minimum um, before yep. we start hitting the road because there's just going to be so much traffic. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we're, we're a rel- relatively small band um, and there's going to be a lot mm-hmm. of big artists that are, that are already postponing and need to be sort of, you know, shooed in. And mm-hmm. um, we're going to have to sort of navigate all of that. So it's going to be um, almost like a bottleneck that's going to happen at some point in time. Agreed. Well, I mean, and, and here's the thing is that you also are better known than a lot of other bands to top it off. So if you're kind of worried about it, you know what I mean? I, I, I kind of feel for the bands that, you know, are on their debut album or, mm. you know, who haven't had any major press like you guys have. Right. So, I mean, like that, I mean, the whole, uh, sorry, the whole September to November period is already a stacked time for releases. Like mm. lot, every single year, it's like September's there's usually like 600, 700 releases. October usually is more. And then November is kind of like the peak where it just seems like everybody and their fucking dog releases. Right. <laughs> So, I mean, like, literally, there's probably, like, two to 3,000 um, just metal hard rock albums released in that time period between September to November on a routine year. So, if my prediction is correct, where there's going to be more stuff backlogged, I mean, I'm betting there could be, like, between 5,000, like, around 5,000 releases. I might, I'm probably exaggerating slightly in my numbers, but it's they, there's always, like, a huge quantity of releases during that time period. So, like, I agree with you. Like, if a band is planning on, is new and they want to release, they're probably better off holding until the new year or this summer or just even a little bit before summer. But, if, but I mean, like, September to November is always insane. And if it pans out to be even crazier, it's going to be really hard to get pressed during that time period. Is there a strategy from labels and, and artists to release in the tail end of the year? Is that just sort of just be fresh of mind when people are doing their end of year lists and best ofs, et cetera? My, my understanding is it's a combination of both. I'm always fighting with people about this mm. and I can never quite wrap my wits around it because I always tell people don't, don't release. And then if a label I'm working with or even an independent band, they're always like, no, 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 we've got to do it anyways. We've got to release on Halloween or we've got to release <laughs> uh, to be on the year, like you said, the year end list, right? But, it's just people don't always think the whole thought through, right? Like if you're a newer band or a lesser no, known band, if releasing when everyone else is releasing just means there's less attention units for you. Like, I mean, the major magazines, like, I mean, there's Metal Hammer, there's Decibel, there's uh, Heavy, all those types of places. They have limited space 
to cover bands. So if there's like six or 700 bands all releasing in a two week span, there's only like placements for about 40 or 50 of those bands. Mm. And those 40 or 50 placements are going to first go to bands that are on labels or who are well known. And then at the very bottom of it, it's going to be people that bought ads. And then with the remaining ones, they're going to kind of divvy up the remaining lots. And that's just the way it is. Mm. Yeah, it's always a, I mean, we've always sort of scratched our heads to try and work out when's the, when's the sweet spot, you know, when's, when's a good time to, to put something out. And, and I think, I think over the past several years, it's, it's always sort of changed and there's always, mm-hmm. always lots of different things that are happening that are shaking up the industry. So I think it's always a, a moving piece, but um, it's interesting just to, from your perspective, because I think you, you're sort of a little bit more on the pulse with it, just given that you're working with lots of different artists and labels, um, you're sort of mm-hmm. understanding where the volumes sort of sit um, throughout the year. So for me, like just listening to the way that you're sort of describing it, it's, it's sort of thinking, well, it would probably make more sense in, in some circumstances to be releasing in those lulls, in those quieter periods mm-hmm. where, you know, there's a, there's a bit more bandwidth to be able to, to get more attention your way. That's 100% correct. But keep in mind, though, that the PR and the sales don't always necessarily match up, right? Mm. So keep in mind, I'm from a total PR perspective, right? So I mean, it could be that the sales are better during those time periods, I said, I'm not a I'm not the sales guy, I I only handle PR, right? But I know for me, uh, when I'm trying to get attention through, uh, you know, magazines or blogs, generally, it's blogs and websites. uh, But generally the best time to do that is in the lull periods and as a general rule but not always like this year was a bit different but as a general rule the lull periods are early december uh january february and then it picks up a little bit and then usually around june july slows down a bit august and then end of august is when it just takes right back off again but this year was a little bit different because there was a lot of major releases in the january february march time period by heavy bands right so mm. there, there it was actually kind of surprising because like i mean ozzy released for example suicide silence i mean there was a lot of pretty big bands that came out and i mean even if you don't play like for example the same style as one of those two bands if you're in the heavy category you're still competing for attention with with them right so like let's say if you're a uh, a traditional metal band and you're not competing with the deathcore band like suicide silence you are in terms of press because the same press outlets that could feature that band feature your band is also, you know, going to be featuring suicide silence. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's kind of like, you might look at it and go like, okay, well, yeah, it's just a bunch of big deathcore bands releasing. And, you know, I play stoner metal, but you have to actually think the whole thought through, because if you're aiming for major press, you want to get like uh, decibel or metal injection or metal sucks or whatever, you still have to pay attention to what's coming out. Cause those sites are still, hard to get on an easy slow time period so if you're competing with like these four or five huge bands same week you ain't getting the press they're going to be going for for the big bands because that's who gets the clicks and who people want to talk about and look at is it is it a it's probably a whole range of different uh ingredients in in the recipe of trying to trying to get a foot in to to get some get some sort of major exposure but is it is it the old cliche of it's not what you know it's who you know to some extent as far as you know having those network circles which is probably the one of the benefits of having somebody that's uh, got a reputation in PR but also just having a number of those different elements of timing um, having the right type of release uh, I guess the right sort of presentation of what you're doing as well um, I, I assume it's probably a whole range of different things that sort of increase the chances 
Sort of. Um, well, here's the thing, right? Is like, okay, so if you got a publicist or like, let's say you yourself, if you're just doing it for the band, let's say, and you're trying to contact someone, the relationship counts quite a bit because that gets your email opened mm. or your message opened, right? So, but the relationship can only take you so far. Like, for example, I've got lots of connections at uh, Metal Injection. I got lots, I, I got a couple of Metal Sucks. I've got all over the place, but if they don't like the band, they ain't going to cover. Yep, that's right. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, unless you're like Century Media and it's like a massive band and you got all these ad bucks behind you, I mean, you really don't have much clout. You know what I mean? So it's like I could go up to like Matt Bacon, for example, because he writes for Metal Injection and I do stuff with him all the time. And I could say I probably have a better chance in getting him to listen to my stuff, but that doesn't mean he's going to write about it. Will he look at it? Sure. Does that mean he's going to write about it? Fuck no. So it, and it's like that with pretty much everybody, right? So the music has a big, big piece in it. And it actually ran into this with a band not too long ago where it was kind of like they they kind of were under the impression that it was just a contact. Like if I, mm. I'm good friends with, let's say I'm good friends with somebody at Metal Injection, like I can just get anybody I want there. That's not true. It's like I, I have a foot in the door, but, you know, I don't have anything else other than that foot in the door. So it's kind of like... You know, like, let's say if I was doing something for Lord, for example, they would check them out, but that doesn't mean they're going to write about them if you were my client, right? But you have a better shot because of the fact that they're now willing to open up the email or look at the conversation, right? One step closer than, than you were previously. Yeah, because if they don't know who you are and you're some random dude in a band and like, you know, you play like you, you're in a stoner metal band, you're on your debut album. I mean, there's a good ch- a there's a good chance that your email is going to hit the spam filter. Number one, uh, number two, even if they see the email, they get 500 e- other emails a day, so they're probably going to delete your email because they don't know who you are, right? Mm. <laughs> so you know what I mean. There's all these different, and even if you friend the guy on Facebook, you know how many? Like, I don't know about you, but I frequently get random dms from people check out my band i just ignore them <laughs> yeah <laughs> you, I, you know I, what i mean i won this morning where i got a friend request and i just I, I accept most people i don't really care and straight away got yeah. the got the invite to to like their band page and just didn't wasn't even a conversation and I, i'm pretty i'm pretty happy to to support anybody but um straight away i thought oh mate there's probably a better way of uh, convincing me to to listen to your band than just sending me a, a quick invite to your page and everybody does it. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like so many people do it. And now it's kind of also, I think in the beginning of Facebook or social media, that might have been effective. But mm-hmm. like, for example, like, um, you know, for, like, here's a like here's a good example. I hope you don't get offended by this. Like, I forgot to listen to the new Lord album until mm-hmm. like last week. <laughs> and like you and, you and I have been talking for months. Yeah. <laughs> right. I didn't even like, I, you know what I mean? And like, I did. Like for some reason I didn't do it and it's a great album and I, I should have checked it out earlier, but I mean, there's so many things there, you know, that even if you got the relationship with the person that it it, like, you know, you need to have that there a lot of the times for the person to even click on it. And I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only person that's done something like, like, I mean, there's probably a lot of people that I engage with regularly. I just blanked on checking their stuff out. I think, I think that's so reassuring when I saw you post that the other day, because for me, and this is one of the things I was going to ask you about, actually, so I'll, I'll go into it now because I've got lots of friends as well, like people that I'm really close to that I still haven't checked out their latest releases yet because, you know, we're, you know there's only so much, so many hours in the day and we've all got mm-hmm. the commitments, etc. And so we, mm-hmm. yeah, we might save something, might bookmark something for later on and eventually we'll get, yep. get around to it. And that could be, it could be days, it could be weeks, it could be months, it could be years, depending on, depending yep. on what it is. And 
for me, that sort of gives me some reassurance that in what feels like uh, the way things are at the moment is that you release product, a product and it sort of has a shelf life. And after a period of time, it becomes dated really quickly because you've constantly yep. got this churn of new content, new material coming out that needs to be promoted, needs to be released. And going back to what we were saying about all these media outlets, I mean, they're going to focus on what's new. They're not going to go back and do yep. a lot of retrospective stuff unless they've got you know, a separate column that's dedicated to sort of retro reviews. Um, so yep. for me, like a real tough thing that I've had to deal with over the probably the last couple of months or so is to understand that the album that we put out last year at the beginning of August, which went mm-hmm. really well for us at the time, has really mm-hmm. tapered off and quietened down. And so for me, I've been sort of racking my brain to think, how do I repurpose this album so it can still get some some legs and still yep. reach people that still haven't had the chance to listen to it yet? So even just to know that sometimes just posting stuff every once in a while and maybe just, you know, having a, it might be a completely separate conversation, but somehow just triggers a thought that somebody goes, oh yeah, I still haven't gotten around to listen to the, to uh, that, that album yet. Um, it's yeah. kind of reassuring, but I guess the, you know, the long winded way of getting around to the question is what, what can a band do to sort of <laughs> keep something as fresh as possible? Um, because, you know, not every band has the the capability of releasing new music constantly um and Mm -hmm. some of this music will be sort of valuable in in years to come but um in the world of pr and and new releases coming out it's it's very hard to sort of maintain attention it is but there's a lot of things that bands can do um i don't i don't know how much of this you yourself have done uh but what i always tell people is just look for a way to repackage it. Mm. Like one, one re one really, really good thing you can always do most, which most bands don't do enough of is to make a lyric video of each yep. and every single track, you know, and then you can just release one per month over a span of, you know, however many songs you got. So like, let's say if you got a 12 track album, you could release one lyric video per month for the next 12 months. Even if you've already released a video, like a regular performance video, let's say of the song, um, or you've already released the single, you can now repurpose it as a lyric video mm-hmm. with a little graphic in the background. Um, I don't know how to do those, but my understanding is that they're quite cheap to do. Yep. Um, usually you can get a site to premiere them. It might not always be a big site, but you can generally get a site to premiere it. Um, you can follow that up with a press release, which enables more places to pick it up. Like That's just one really, really simple way of getting uh, additional press and milking a song. Another thing to do is just like do like a regular performance video as well. Those cost more money, but that's another thing. Um, another thing that you can also do is that you can also just release like little short little clips of them, post them on your Instagram, like, you know, one minute clips, uh, same thing with Facebook. Like you can put the album out again with different art or with like a, with a, a track commentary is another thing. You can do a re-release like that. You could put it on a different format. You could say, I'm now releasing it on tape and that makes it a whole completely fresh album cycle in the press's mind if you say that. Like if you were to produce like let's say 25 tapes or 50 tapes and you presented I'm just using you as an example since Mm. we're talking the Lord album as a cassette release just as a pure example you know, that's now a new product you know, and you you could do yourself, you know, in your own press campaign um, I probably wouldn't hire someone else, someone, a person to do a tape campaign, like that's only 50 copies. But, you know, you could then say this is a new album cycle. You could send it as a Holix promo if you wanted to. 
with a whole kit requesting reviews when it's released. And you just do a whole cycle based on that. I mean, you can do that with vinyl too. Um, you can even do that with a Bandcamp release. I've done every single one of those things. It's just how you position it in the minds of the people, right? So like if you present it as an old product, it's old. Mm. But if you present it as a new product, and it is, like if, like if you were to take the album down from Bandcamp, like let's say you just released the album on Spotify or something, and you had it only on the digital streaming services, but you didn't release it on Bandcamp, you could, if you wanted to, release it again in six months as a Bandcamp release and position it as a, as a digital Bandcamp release. I've done that. It's worked. Most other people have never tried it, but it, it does work if you try that. Um, do you always get a lot of press? Not necessarily, but it can lead to a bunch more reviews and stuff that you didn't have before, and it can get you new fans. It's really easy when you look at it. Yeah, I think, and I think a lot of it's just, you know, it's, well, it's like anything in life, you know, you got to put the time and, and the, the energy into it and, yeah. and that will, that will bring you some form of reward, um, you know, depending on, depending on what you're doing. I mean, the biggest thing that I've sort of been looking at and yeah, funnily enough, we've, we've got a lyric video on, on ice at the moment that's going to come out soon and we're going to do, um, Cool. A little bit of a single release for one of the songs, and do some merchandise that will sort of accompany that, and and we'll nice. we'll use that just to try and as as you said, just keep it keep it new, keep and it's sort of a new product, and it'll have its own unique yeah. artwork that will just fall back into into the album Perfect. itself. Um, but yeah, for me, I've always sort of looked at it and gone, well, uh, you know, just to try and get people to review the album is is such a hard thing, and we I think timing for us last year was was a bit tough because. We came, I think our release was on the 1st of August, which was like a couple of days before or was the day of Wacken starting. And I think oh. it was also pretty much in the middle of festival season in Europe. So for us to get mm. any European coverage was just, well, it was tough. And and yeah. so it, it was one of those things like we spoke about before, like just trying to find a point in time where you can cut through the noise. And we weren't overly strategic about when we were going to release the album, which probably hurt us a little bit um, in some ways. Um, but, yeah, to try and get people to pay attention and to just do, even just do a little sort of bite-sized review of the album is, is quite tough. Um, it can thing, be. Yeah, and uh, the thing that's actually worked quite well for me is instead of uh, worrying about the big hitters, which, you know, um, and it makes sense for them, they want exclusive access to, to things. They want fresh products and yep. that's what's going to bring attention and, and an audience to, to what they do. Um, I've been sort of manually, you know, one, one, one per, like one webzine as I go, just contacting every single small blog and webzine that I know and even the old... Uh, digital radio stations and community radio stations. And it's a very slow and tedious process, but I've been sort of taking mm -hmm. the personal approach to say, not sure if you're aware of it. Um, here's a, here's a download code to grab the, grab the album off Bandcamp. Um, hope you enjoy it, et cetera, et cetera. And just giving them some assets that they can use as well. And, and it, it doesn't have the same hit rate as you would when you're in the album cycle itself, the initial cycle. Um, but yep. it's, it's been relatively effective and it's kind of helped keep parts of the album fresh as far as new people sort of discovering it, going, oh, wow, I missed this last year. I can't believe I missed it. So that's been mm -hmm. a, sort of a, a good little thing. But that's that's something where you have to weigh up the effort versus the return. Like that's a, that's a very yeah. time-consuming process. And it's like, well, in the grand scheme of things, is this the best place to be channeling that energy? Well, it is. I mean, it always is. I mean, there's there's never, like in my own opinion, like if you're, like if you're channeling any energy into – your album, like your album promotion, it's always going to pay off at some point, even if it's not right now. Like all those blogs and zines that you said that you're contacting, they're going to remember you next time, mm. you know? 
So it may, even if it doesn't pay off now, you might, because of the fact that you're having this personal touch, you're getting in contact with people that might now open it up. So next time more people will be more inclined to, you know, cover whatever it is, it is that you want covered. Like even if it's the, the lyric video you just talked about, you know, you, you're, you're probably like, if you're out there making friends and you're out there contacting people and you, you know, you're doing public relations, it will pay off at some point, even if not now, mm. you know what I mean? Like, you know, I like, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you're aware of that. Like, I mean, just you yourself, just on Twitter, like if you're making relationships with people now, um, with people that aren't necessarily fans, which you do, it's going to pay off later, even if they don't listen now. Like at some point, someone's finally going to go, oh, Andy has a band. Oh, I should check. Like I did that, right? <laughs> so, and I, and I already knew about the band and I'd heard the band in the past and I enjoyed the band. And, but you know what I mean? It's like, at some point people will will check it out if you are consistent with your promotional actions and if you are actually you know doing the right things but if you're out there you know just contacting people and being snarky and a dick then they're going to forget about you next time but if you're out there you know actually actually cultivating relationships and trying to cultivate fans it's going to pay off at some point and i can guarantee you that i think that's one thing that i mean part of that comes naturally to me because I'm always, I'm a bit of a social butterfly. So I love just talking to people and I sort of forget sometimes that I might even have to do something. Like I might have to promote mm -hmm. something or sell something, which can sometimes work in my advantage. Um, yep. But one thing that I've sort of, and that's been quite reassuring uh, listening to you, Matt and Keithy on your podcast where you sort of bounce back and forth a lot of these sort of scenarios in these situations where you know, what bands do wrong and what they do right as far as how they communicate and interact with people online and, and in person as well. You know, um, playing the long game is such a such a valuable thing to do and building relationships with people over that, over that long term um, is so much better than going in cold on a hard sell, trying to get somebody to do something for you where you've had no prior connection or relationship or there's not really an incentive for that other person to do anything for you. And a lot of people think that... Uh, you know, what's the big deal asking someone to click on something? And it's like, well, it might just be a simple click, but what does that create, you know? And so a lot yeah. of people just mentally are just not willing to to sort of engage in, in that type of uh, communication. So um, there are quite a lot of people, and, and especially since listening to you guys talk about a lot of these scenarios, I've been more in tune with how a lot of my peers interact and, and promote themselves or just just communicate on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's been very interesting because I see a lot of great examples and I see a lot of poor ones as well. Oh, and uh, it's it's very interesting because it, it has a correlation to their success as well and how well they're doing in general. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a, it's a very interesting thing to, to be aware of. Now, one thing I just want to add to that, though, is that there are some times where you do need to be like, hey, I need you to do this. Please help me type of thing too. Right. Mm. So, I mean, there, it, there's a balance, right? Like, I mean, I, I have had it where it's been like, you know, sometimes you do have to, you know, impose yourself in order to get something done sometimes. Cause sometimes people just aren't going to pay attention, mm. but it's that trick. It's that balance trick. You know what I mean? Like there's that balance between being uh, pushy yet friendly or just being pushy. You know what I mean? Like th there are ways of getting people to do things that you want or that you would like them to do without coming across as being a complete asshole. Right. But still being social, you know what I mean? Mm. So it's like, for example, like if you're pitching a major magazine, I mean, you're going up against hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, sometimes you have to 
direct message the person to get their attention. Mm. And if it's someone that you know, you can get away with that. You know, like if I like if I had like a band that I really, 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 really wanted to get a good placement for, and I had a contact at that site, you know, and they're not answering my emails, I'll probably just direct message them and say, hey, really hate to bug you on social media about this because I know you only like to have email, but can you please look at that email? And that will probably work that pushy fashion as long as I haven't been like that the whole time. And mm. I'm just asking for a favor like once or twice. You know what I mean? It's going to be a bit of balance, doesn't there? You've, I mean, it's... It, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so you can either like, I mean, here's the thing is like, if you're not trying to cause the sale or cause the click or cause the promotion, nothing's going to happen. But mm. at the same time, you you got to do it in that way where it's not coming across as being an arrogant asshole or, you know, totally pushy. Like, I mean, like with you, you're like, I don't know if you realize it or not, but you're always selling. Mm. I mean, you always are, you, you always are. And you're not coming across as a salesperson. You know what I mean? Like, but you're constantly selling Lord mm. because of the fact that you talk about Lord, but you talk about other things, you know, you got links to Lord, you, you know, you're not say you, you, you basically say I'm in Lord. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody knows it <laughs> and you're not shy about it, but you're not sitting there, you know, DMing me like every two seconds, check out my band, check out my band, check out my band. You got that balance between, you know, friendly. You, you got the you got it down where it's like, I want to check out your band. I would like to check out your podcast because of the way you interact with me. And I think it's kind of like a social uh, skill level more than anything. And that's what a lot of bands are missing. Yeah, and I think I think part of that's having a bit of self confidence, knowing that what you do, um, you know, whether yeah. it be a musician or a podcaster or whatever it might be, that you're proud of what you do and you've got confidence in what you do. So it's almost but like not cocky. But not cocky. But not cocky. And and knowing yeah. that you don't have to do the desperate sell because I think when exactly. people have a little bit of uh, or a lack of confidence in certain respects, then there's an there's an air of desperation that comes out if you're just constantly pushing, 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 pushing because you just you're, you're panicking. You're, 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 you feel like you're going to miss out because maybe, you know, you've only got a small window of opportunity. And for me, I mean, I've always, I've always enjoyed sort of, I guess the process and the, and the long game. So for me, it's like, it's not so much just a build it and they will come sort of mentality. It's, it's got to be balanced. Like we just said, but, um, I think for me, I, I sort of go, I, I, the way I look at it, I sort of think, well, I'll just build what I can to the best of my ability. And then when the time's right or it feels right, then, then I'll try and strike where, where possible. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm just kind of lucky that I think some of that stuff comes a bit naturally to me and I don't overthink it, which is probably a really good thing. Uh, I think if I overthought it, then, um, I'd probably not be as, um, I wouldn't come across as, as genuine as, as I do. Well, that's the thing is coming across as genuine too, mm. right? Like what, what one person that's really got this down pat that I think is an absolutely excellent example of someone that um, is constantly selling themselves, their band, uh, their products and their music and everything while not coming across as being too pushy and totally 100% genuine is Monica Strutt. Mm. She is fantastic at that. Uh, same thing with Jesse May of uh, Turkey Vulture slash Owlmaker, both those two are absolutely fantastic at cultivating relationships and still pushing themselves or whatever the heck it is that they're pushing at the same time, but they don't come across as being needy, desperate, um, and they're genuinely friendly. Yeah. Right. So they're not like out there, like, you know, just DMing you randomly their links, but you know, at the same time, 
Jesse or Monica will still DM me their stuff. And it's like, I'm happy to open it because of the fact that they're genuine and they're not coming across as being like these pushy people, even though that's exactly what they're doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I mean, you do the same thing and I do the same thing too, right? So, yeah. yeah. I think it's you're just, right. It's it's an it, you've got to have the right intention behind it. I think people can sniff it out, especially people that mm-hmm. are used to it or or receive quite a lot of traffic on a day to day basis. They they can sniff it out straight away. So I think when exactly. you're sort of, it's almost like um, it might be a bit of a silly comparison, but it's like it's like the dating game. You know, if you if you mm-hmm. if you come across too needy or desperate, then it's a complete turn off. But if you if you're cool and collective and just sort of casual about it to a degree. But still showing that you got some intention behind it, then um, that that's far more appealing than just sort of you know going one extreme or, or the other. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a dance that you have to have to play. But um, you know it it can definitely work if it's coming from the right spot. It can. I mean, and then but I mean at the same time, there's also ways that you can do it where you come across as being like a bit pushy. But it again, it, it's it's the intention I think that makes the difference, mm. and the you know your presentation like. I'm willing to bet you probably read books on marketing and sales, right? Yep. I'm looking at a stack of them at the moment. <laughs> well, there you go. So yep. I think it's the guys, I think it's the guys that have read like a lot of books on marketing and sales that tend to do a better job of this than other people. Mm. Like, um, you, me, Monica, Jesse, Matt, Keefe, we've all studied sales and marketing. So it's kind of like, you know, we kind of know what's right and what's wrong. So I think it's kind of like, if you kind of know how to do it, you come across, you don't come across as being sleazy or pushy. Right. Mm. I mean, like, I mean, basically, I guess the thing is, is that we're all kind of trained in sales or marketing, even if it's not like, you know, we're not, don't necessarily have degrees in it. At least I don't, you know, but you know, we've studied enough, read enough and that we know what kind of have a feeling now of what's right and what's wrong to do. Right. Cause we kind of know you don't do this in a sales cycle. You don't do this in a marketing cycle. You know what I'm saying? So you kind of, push that across with your own marketing and your own sales when you're dealing with people on social media. I think reading a lot and, and sort of digesting information from other industries, people like people yep. that just have no connection whatsoever with music um, has been yep. just a game changer for me. Uh, you know, just so many customer Same. service books, marketing books, PR books, yep. um, just talking about like, you know, the motor industry or, um, yep. telco or just retail yep. and, and just, and how they, and it's not, it's not a manipulation thing. It's just, it's, it's, it's human behavior. And, and I think from a self-development point of view, I become a better person. I can interact with people better. I'm a better podcaster exactly. because I understand yep. I'm a bit more aware of people and, and their emotions and how they react to things. And so then that obviously translates into, into the music world as well, et cetera. Um, and it's just been, I've, it's sort of like sharing best practices, you know, yeah, there's so yep. many things that just fall into every industry and, and have a, have a common theme and, and work. And it's, it's sort of tried and true. Um, so exactly. I've, I've always been pushing that with a lot of people that I know going just, you know, you might not like reading, but maybe pick up an audio book that just talks about some basic sort of customer service and marketing. And you might find a few little nuggets there that, uh, might help you, you know, just angle what you're currently doing in a slightly different uh, direction and it could could make a world of difference yeah if you if you if people started reading books on sales and marketing like good ones not obviously not sleazy mm. ones like I've, I, I know of a few books i would not recommend but um i mean this is why you, it's also a good idea to read as many books as you possibly can on sales and marketing because then you get an idea of what's right and what's wrong mm. right like i mean i i've 
I read probably like 50 books a year. Most of them are business books. And, you know, I don't use everything in my PR, but as a result of studying that, like you said, it's kind of like you get a good idea of what the best practices is from every industry. And also if you read like more than one book on sales, like if you read 10 books on sales, you would get a pretty good idea of what's right and what's wrong Yeah. in yeah. sales. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because you wouldn't just be taking the opinion of one person. You'd be able to look at all the information that you've read and you kind of get to see that there's certain fundamentals that each author talks about and you know that then you could put those into practice and you'd see what works and what wouldn't work right but like for example like um matt's gonna hate me for saying this but if all you read was like dale carnegie you know <laughs> which i don't like that book at all which one uh, is that one. how to how to win friends yeah, I hate that book so much. <laughs> uh, can't stand it. Uh, but like, if you only read that book, for example, yeah. you, I don't think you would really know all the stuff about selling. You'd just be sitting there using someone's name over and over again. You know, I, I, I don't like that book. But I mean, if you had read like that, plus maybe a book by Gary Vee, uh, maybe a Grant Cardone book, Tom Hopkins book, you know, Brian Tracy, a whole bunch of sales books, Jeff Gittermer or something like that, you'd kind of get an idea of what, what how to sell. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. you, you could piece it all together. But if you just read, for example, the one by Dale Carnegie, you might not be as good of a salesperson or as good of a customer service person with spreading your music, if that makes sense. <laughs> I'm just looking across. I've got two Dale Carnegie books staring. <laughs> I can't stand him. I mean, he's got some good stuff to him, but I just, uh, anyways, I won't it's, go there. It's very, uh, look, uh, I'll, I'll touch on it really quickly. It's, it's very sort of, uh, very cheesy in places and you can, and there's a lot of stuff that's quite dated, um, in the tone and the way that it's delivered. Yeah. Um, but there's, I guess, as you said, you can't, it, and it's any book. I mean, you can have the best book in the world, but you, you still need to have a blend of lots of different uh, voices and perspectives yep. to be able to sort of see what sits across all of them and you know, yep. what, what's in common and what's not. And um, there's aspects of those books that he's done that uh, little tidbits of information that are, that are quite valuable and Agreed. makes sense in context with other things that you learn along the way. But um, yeah, I, I know people that that's their Bible and that's, that's yep. pretty much, and they've read that and they go, well, I don't need to really sort of take in anything more. And, exactly. and obviously that's, that's, that's quite uh, limiting as far as your own development. So I, I can, I can appreciate where you're coming from with it, but it was quite funny because as soon as you said that name, I glanced over and, and there was his that's name staring at, staring at me right now. But but let me but let me just clarify clarify one thing. I th I think that people should do that with books on everything. All right, yeah. like if they're trying to learn anything, I I honestly think that if you read as many books as you can on one subject, mm. you're usually going to be better off than just keeping just one and like saying that's the entire truth and nothing but on this whole subject, right? Because that's not always the case, mm. <laughs> right? So like like again, coming back to the Dale Carnegie example, just an example. If if you had only read his stuff you would there's so many other things about sales that's missing from that book yeah that you're not going to know right or just with customer service or whatever right it's the same thing if you just read a gary v book gary vaynerchuk and you don't read anything else on social media you're going to have kind of like a little bit of a warped view even though everything although almost everything gary says is quite good but if you can kind of like take a whole broad view of the subject then you'll kind of know the correct practices to do and you'll end up being a lot more successful as a result. And I think, I think probably a really important thing with a lot of this is that every person, um, every product that you put out is, is going to have a unique spin based off your own narrative, you know, your storyline mm -hmm. and whatever that might be. So, you know, you can have the Gary V model and that 
that will probably have, you know, overall uh, a, a successful formula in place, but there might be little yep. gaps there that might be filled by nuance that you learn from another another book or another resource that fits into your own narrative that makes it unique because you know yep. we're not we're not carbon copies um and that's what yep. makes you know what we do unique and sellable because marketable because it's it's got to be unique it's got to be a little bit different um to cut through the noise so um it, uh, to get a get a spread of information is is really valuable Exactly. I mean, one one thing I do I do want to point out too, I basically started Doer PR as a result of reading Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk. But if I would have just limited my understanding of PR and marketing just to what he said in that book, I would have been I would have never have gotten Doer PR to take off. I mean, it's it's a full time thing for me, and it has been for the last five years as a result of not just studying his stuff, but I mean, like a lot of other things, right? Mm. So. Um, but just going back to the, but just, but just going back to it again, it's just kind of like, but if you can kind of, the one thing you should be always doing is you should always be trying to read uh, at least a couple books every month, because that's just going to help you with marketing your, marketing your product, specifically music, um, and just making you a better person in general. Because if you could read like two books a month, which really isn't that much, you know, that's what, 24 books a year, like that's a lot of information that you will now know that Absolutely. you can then put into practice and then you can actually, you know, use it to improve your sales, improve the awareness of your band. I mean, even personally, right? So absolutely. I'm all, I'm all over this. I mean, I've, I've been uh, sort of engulfing books for, for years and, and just, and it's Thanks. funny because sometimes I'll, I'll pick up a book that, it might have a little bit of an appeal, um, which is why I picked it up in the first place. But um, it's kind of almost like, okay, how can I how can I fit this into my life, or how am I going to find something in this that's going to be a bit of a nugget of, of wisdom that's going to help me? And you know, I'll read exactly. something that's that completely surprises me, and it might just be something that helps me be a little bit more disciplined, you know, uh, yep. you know have a, have a better habit or something like that. And then suddenly, I find myself doing a little bit more work on the band or whatever, or the podcast. Yep just purely out of learning a, a self-discipline, you know, tactic yep. or whatever that might be, or, you know, yep. even sort of a little bit more on the emotion, emotion, emotionally side of, of things like where, you know, suddenly you stop worrying about stuff as much because, you know, you're worrying about things that are outside of your control and you go, well, what can I yep. do with what I've got? And so there's, there's, there's so many different things. I mean, you can go off in a whole range of different, uh, different directions with yep. this sort of stuff. But um, yeah, uh, I think just um, as cheesy as it sounds, the power of reading can can uh, can go a long way. I mean, this is this, and it can definitely, if you know, especially for people that are naturally competitive as well, it, it can give you an edge, yep. you know, in yep. in the marketplace to to just have something that's a bit more of a point of difference, just just from what you've learned. Yeah, and but the other thing too, I also want to point out is you also got to be very very careful because sometimes people write books that shouldn't be writing books as well, and mm. you can get a lot of bad information too, right? So. That's why I also say you might want to read more than one book because then you can see what's right and what's wrong, right? Like, because I mean, I've read some books that, you know, fucking horrible, like <laughs> just, you know, it's wrong. You know what I mean? So it's like, you kind of got to keep that in mind too. Like one thing that I usually like to do, like when I'm picking up a book um, to learn something is I usually like to kind of like look to see what the background of that person is. Have they been successful in that area? Do they know what they're talking about? Are they just someone that's regurgitating something they read out of Gary Vee <laughs> or something else, right? Because, like, you got to keep that in mind, too, at the same time. So I just want to point that out for anybody when you're reading. 
you know, just kind of look at the background of the person. Like, for example, Gary Vaynerchuk's a great person to read because, I mean, he's just started a successful business. Mm. He did too, right? At least two that I'm aware of. And, you know, he's very, very good at what he does. He has a lot of followers on social media. So if you were going to read about social media, you'd want to go with Gary because he's bought, he admittedly knows the stuff. He's actually produced products in that area in real life. You know what I mean? Well, reversely, you know, you'll see an Instagram Instagram ad from another guy saying I'm a social media guru. And you can tell they've only been doing it for like six months. You know, they might have like two, three thousand followers and they're trying to sell you a book on how they're how to use social media. Right. So that's one thing I want to point out as well. Yeah, you got you to check your source. Definitely. Yeah. Exactly, because if you don't check your background source, then you can come off looking like a bit of a retard at the same time because of the fact it's like you thought it was good information, but it wasn't really good information. Because, I mean, nowadays, basically anybody can, you know, say that they're an authority on something, but it's kind of like you got to look and be like, okay, well, have they actually done anything they're talking about? Like, you know, if you got a if you got a music coach, um, you know, there's a lot of people that do like music marketing nowadays. Mm. Um you know, then admittedly, me and Matt and Keithy do that to a slight degree, right? That's we, we, we do that, and so do you. But at the same time, it's like we've done stuff in this before. I never start, me and Matt never started the podcast until I'd been doing doer PR for I think it was like four years at that point. And Matt had been doing dropout media for like four years as well. But if we had just started a podcast and started giving advice newly, you know what I mean? Just never done anything. It, you know, it doesn't not, like it's not good information. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. It's and it's it's a hard thing at the moment because I think everybody, you know, especially in the, uh, I guess the era that we live in, which is changing dramatically. But it's just especially now, I guess, I, with you know the world, a lot of the world being sort of locked down. There's this fight mm-hmm. for attention constantly, so people are trying yep. whatever they can to get eyes on them. And so, as you yep. said, people want to be an authority. They they want people to to come to them and 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 have the platform to be able to, you know, uh, deliver some wisdom of some sort. And most of it out there is garbage. And and I think 100%. the big thing with reading is that it's it's a it's a time investment. You know, it's it's yep. something that takes time, and and it's a difficult thing for. That's why a lot of people struggle to read because yep. they they probably don't see the immediate value because they've got to stop what they're doing and take in some information. And I think because that's a, a time commitment. Um, you want to make sure that whatever you're digesting is going to be valuable or at least increases the chances of being valuable for you. So the last thing you want to do is is invest a, a, a significant pe- period of time to read something that ultimately is just shit. <laughs> you know, you don't, yeah. it's just, and then that's just harder for somebody to, to, to continue to remain engaged in the future and look for more resources. Um, you sort of get burnt and go, oh, well, I can't be bothered now. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I mean, yeah, you always got to be checking who's good, who's bad. I mean, one thing that I always do, just, I don't know how long you want to talk about reading for, but if you're okay, I'll keep, mm, I'll yeah, keep talking. Keep um, well, one, thing, one thing that I always do when I'm checking for new books to read is, um, in addition to what I already said about, you know, trying to check out the background and stuff like that, is I'll kind of like look for um, what people that I've already read, like what those authors recommend. Like, mm. I mean, for example... Um, Grant Cardone, he's always recommending books to read, just always Mm. recommending books to read, or he was for a long period of time. I don't know if he's been doing it quite as much recently, but you know, if he recommends a book to read, I'll usually go and get it. And 99.9% of the time, it's a great book. 
right? I mean, the guy's quite successful. Um, you know, he's produced products and sales, marketing and real estate. So he, he appears to know what he's doing. You know what I mean? So pretty much any book recommendation I've ever gotten through him has been absolutely fantastic. And other people that I, you know, and then if someone like Gary Vee mentions a book, I'm more inclined to check it out. Or even like Ty Lopez. Yes, I know a lot of people think Ty Lopez is a dork. I like him. <laughs> sue me. Um, I, I think he's actually got some very good information. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, like if any of those type of people recommend a book, I'm going to go check it out versus like, you know, Joe Blow, who I've never heard before says, you know, this is a good book. I'm probably not as inclined to check it out. But, you know, that's why you kind of want to look to people that you're already familiar with who are also, who are already successful when they recommend a book. That's probably what you want to go check out. Well, it's kind of like the, um, what's what's the saying about surrounding yourself with, you know, all the the, yeah. the, the five people that you spend the most amount of time with. I mean, they're, they're sort of your yep. circle of influence. And so you want to make yeah. sure that the people that you interact with the most are people that, you know, have the right qualities. And so they're the people that give you recommendations. It's it's like music as well. You know, the people that you respect and, and uh, are close to you, you're going to pay attention to what they say more so than, you know, a cold, a cold piece of information from somebody that you've got no prior relationship with. And I think from, from a book point of view, um, you know, I'm not sure if, you, if you're a Tim Ferriss fan, but um, I've, I've been listening to his podcast for quite a while and, and I've got like, you know, I've got an iPhone. So in my note, notebook section, notepad section, I've just got a long list of books because every time he has a guest on and I really enjoy the yeah. guest and they've got some credibility and they start talking about recommended books, I just keep adding it to yeah. the list. So I'll... Until the day I die, I will never be short of a, of a book that I need to read. And that part of that's, that's kind awesome. of stressful, but at the same time, it's kind of exciting because it's just, you know, who knows what valuable information is going to be in any of these books. And so I'm just constantly just chipping away at this long, long list of, of books that have come from recommendations of really successful people. People have done something in their lives. And, and I think Ferris, although, you know, I think earlier in his career was a little bit more you know, life hack sort of, you know, yeah. sort of, uh, sort of that sort of domain that he came from, or at least the perception was. Um, I mm -hmm. think these days um, he seems to be far more sort of on a deeper level as far as substance and trying yeah. to really be cautious about who he interacts with and and has on his on his podcast. And and I think um, due to that vetting that he does, um, you sort of it's that recommendation. He recommends the guest and, and then that guest can recommend a whole bunch of different resources. And I, that alone has, has brought me so much wealth um, for myself, but then that sort of is a chain reaction because then I discover a whole bunch of other people and then they've got their, their networks of, of people. And so you just, it's this rabbit yeah. hole of just, you know, yeah. lots and lots of information, which is, it's exciting. It's cause you're just never short of, of a new perspective or a new piece of info that you never thought that um, you, you knew. So it's, it's pretty I cool. I agree with one other thing. One other thing too, that I'll sometimes do, I don't know if you do this, but um, have you ever read The uh, Greatest Salesman by Ogmandino? No, I haven't. No? Okay, it's a book that's about discipline. And basically, the, the book consists of, um, I think it was 16 chapters, if I'm not mistaken. can't remember the total number off the top of my head. Mm. But you're supposed to read each chapter every day, three times a day, for 30 days each. Wow. So you take... <laughs> Yeah, so you take the first so you take the first chapter, you read that three times per day for thirty days, then you do the each one in sequence and then you're done the book. Um, so one one thing I learned from reading that book, I recently I finished that about two months ago. And 
So what I, I will sometimes do is I'll sometimes just reread books numerous times, mm. like ones that I think are valuable. Obviously, if I don't think they're valuable, I'm not going to reread them again. Uh, but one thing I've noticed is if you go through the same material over and over and over again, you'll learn a lot more than if you just read it once or listened to the audiobook version of it once. Like I know also that um, there's, I know Zig Ziglar had one, one mm. point said about um, listening to things 16 times, all of his tapes 16 times. Um, <laughs> Good sales yeah, technique. I know. It, well, no, well, it's, it's interesting because he well, like he was like, I, I remember listening to him talking about this uh, like years ago. And he said, I recommend you listen to each one of my tapes 16 times and then you will fully understand it. And I was mm. like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> No, it sounds dumb. Like you're like, mm. I, I, you know, go through it once and it's like, I'm probably good. Right. But I noticed that the more that you, but if you actually do that with, with a, um, audiobook or with a book, a lot of times you'll get a lot more information out of it and not necessarily 16 times, you know, like three, four times, five times, six times. Um, but one thing I did learn from reading through the entirety of the greatest salesman, like it said, doing the three chapters, 30, uh, 30, 30 days each is that, yeah, you do, like, it puts a discipline there, but it also makes it so that way you're more inclined to use the information. It's really, really interesting. It's almost it's almost like the first read is theory-based, and then yeah. your, your subsequent reads become practical because then you start to get context and you, the things that you glanced over on the first read become more apparent, yeah. or suddenly you're starting to find the parallels in real life. And, and if yeah. there's been a gap in time between the first and the second read... Um, then potentially you would have had some real-life experiences in between. So when you read it again, it, it starts to connect the dots, you know, the links start to, to form. So, um, yeah, yep. it makes it makes sense. There's a couple of books that I've, I've sort of go back over because uh, I usually use um, sticky notes um, just if there's a particular yep. page or a chapter that's, that's interesting or something that sort of gives me a bit of a, a light bulb moment. I go, oh, wow, I never thought about it that way. I'll chuck a little note in there. And so every once in a while, I'll pick up a book and just flick to one of those pages and just read a section, and it'll just jog my memory again. Um, so yep. I, I like I like that one. I've written it down, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go and grab that book and uh, take up the challenge. I've, I've never thought about reading a chapter three times um, before going on to the next one and doing it for thirty days. So I like I just, love I just love as challenges. A warning. Yeah. Just as a warning, just in case, it is a bit of a religious book at the same time. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm not a I'm I'm not a Christian, but yep. I, I went through it and I thought it was an amazing book. Uh, but just as a forewarning, in case you have anything on it, it is a bit of a religious book. That's okay. I've I've noticed. Um, it's it's funny with um a, not a lot of the books, but um there is a there is a percentage of these books that come out where, um. I guess it's it's a community thing, isn't it? It's you know you you build yep. up you build yourselves up, and you know in a lot of religious communities, there's that sort of empowerment um, through through your collection of people, your community, and so yep. it brings out a lot of people that um, become great great communicators and great salesmen and great marketers. And so I guess yep. yeah, I, I, I roll my eyes every once in a while when I start to see a tinge of something coming into into a chapter, and I go, oh, come on, you know, we were going yep. so well, but. Um, but I've I've learnt over time to sort of put that to the side and 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 still get the gold out of it. So yeah, that that's fine. I'll um I'll I'll keep well, that in mind. What are the one other thing too? Again, like the way like a lot of the books that I that I have read that were in sales and stuff, like you said, do have a religious tint to them. Mm. <clears throat> um, one thing is even if you don't ne- at least with me, even if I don't necessarily agree with the religious aspect of it, 
like you said, there's usually some good information there. Mm. There generally is. So, I mean, like, even if it's like, you're like, okay, I don't believe in God or anything like that. Fine, whatever. Just take the rest of the information, you know, as, as it is. Like, there's a really, really, really fantastic book. I don't know if you've ever read it. It's called The Science of Getting Rich by William uh, Wallace D. Waddles. Have you read that? No, I've, I'm adding it to my list. <laughs> it's it's probably one of the best books I've ever read. I, I, I got it. It was a recommendation from Grant Cardone. Yep. Um, he recommends it at the end of his booklet, the millionaire booklet is one of a book, one of the books he recommends that you read. Um, I've gone through that entire list that he has at the back of his booklet, like numerous times, but it's a really short book. Uh, but it's all based on uh, new thought, which mm. is basically a Christian religious uh, thing from the early, early 1900s. But the book I'm not joking you, is like one of the best books you will ever read if you actually just take take the viewpoint uh, that it has some extremely valuable information in there. Like it's literally like one of the best books you could possibly read if you can read it with an open mind, even if you're anti-religious, even if you don't believe in a spirit or anything like that. You can take so much valuable information from that book. It is absolutely fantastic. Well, you've you've sold me. Uh, you, some, some, someone's going to get a sale out of that. So, <laughs> it, it, it's it's really no, like really, I I I can't overstate that book enough because re- basically what it kind of goes over is kind of like uh, the prospect of visualization, visualization, uh, how to use it, and basically how to. Um, it's almost it, it's the book that was the basis for the book, The Secret, mm, okay. which isn't that which isn't that great of a book. I didn't think it was that great of a book. Mm. But I mean, it's okay. But it's the the whole technology of the secret is actually taken from that book, and that book was originally written, I think, in like nineteen nineteen or something. And it's got so much good information. Just as long as you look at it from the viewpoint of even if you're not religious, it's got a whole technology in there on like how to actually achieve goals and do all sorts of things. It's absolutely phenomenal. I assume that a lot of it's sort of the subjective element of goal setting and making sure that whatever whatever you know your your dreams or your 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 pursuits are that they they kind of stay front of mind and and it's a case mm-hmm. of showing up and just making sure that you know you're delicately moving things in your life into a way that just increases your chances of getting staying on the path that you're going on and eventually meeting yeah. or reaching whatever goal that um that's 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 there for you yeah totally 100 percent. and that's a lot about what that book goes over except mm. it's a little bit more philosophical and deep uh but i mean like i said i mean it, it's absolutely fantastic i mean it i mean there's probably some parts in there that you know some people will go oh, it's a little bit cringeworthy or whatever or too religious for me or whatever but a lot of those new thought books from the early 1900s are absolutely fantastic like just fantastic information there as long as you can take it for what it is. And I mean, kind of like the thing you kind of got to do is just be like open to learning something new versus kind of like, I know all about it and shutting yourself off from looking at something just because it has something that you think you disagree with. Mm. You know what I mean? Because a lot, because a lot of people will say that they disagree with something, but they've never actually looked at it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like with the religious thing, like a lot of times they'll be like, you know, like, you know, they'll find out a book like Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, maybe, for example, is a little bit religious. And they'll go like, oh, I don't want to read that because of the fact it's religious. Well, who fucking cares, right? Because of the fact, like, you've never read it. So how do you know 
what to even think about it. You know mm. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I've I've gone through that in the past uh, years and years ago. I just I would disregard something just because of of a tone that it it portrayed. Um, and mm-hmm. it's only sort of been more recent years where you almost become a bit of a you know a research an- analyst where you you open up a book and you're sort of filtering through it all to not just absorb everything as, well, excuse the pun, but absorb everything as gospel, but you're, yeah. you're sort of just, you're taking it in and, and filtering things to go, okay, so what what's valuable to me? What can I disregard? Sure. What can I put to the side and just, and remember that that's there for a reason and that gives context to something else. And maybe also you sort of, you start to pick apart the author, the person who's, who's put it together and understand where in certain aspects where their, their prejudice might sit or why they think a particular way. And it sort of comes in a bit of the psycho, uh, psychology of you know human behavior as well. So I, exactly. I kind of enjoy when I pick up a book and I get surprised and go, oh, geez, I didn't realize this person was of that background or whatever it might be that I normally exactly. would not give any time to. But then suddenly you, you're opened up into a different way of thinking. And yeah, it's just a case of you don't have to take everything and, and apply it. It just might be one or two things out of that entire book that could be a game changer. Uh, so it's, um, yeah, I always, I've, I've got, I've got two massive, um, shelves here. I've got one shelf. That's all the books that I've read and that, nice. and it's, it's on one side and I've got the other side, which gives me anxiety, which is just all the books that I'm still reading or getting to. <laughs> and I kind of yeah. look at that, those piles of books and just go, I, I have no idea what's in there. You know, what, how's yeah. my life going to be different after I finish reading these books is, you know, should I, should I be moving quicker to quickly get through them? Is there, yeah. is there going to be secrets there that I've gone, oh, I wish I read that, you know, five years earlier. Um, but it's, yeah. it's cool. It's, it's great that uh, there's always something to to learn and, and experience. And it's sort of, you know, it comes back to, you know, being a musician or working in the music industry or whatever it might be, because you just want to find something that, um, that gives you a point of difference or just a new perspective on, on what you do. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point because that's that's one thing a lot of people don't don't or won't do is look for a new perspective on things. Mm. They just won't do it. You know, they're kind of stuck in their own, you know, I believe this or this is how the world is to me and I'm not willing to look at an opposing opinion or I'm not look at, um, willing to look at a different viewpoint or something like that. Like a, a really good example is like in politics. Like a lot of people can't even look. I, I'm not going to get political. Don't worry. I'm not, <laughs> I, I I don't do that. Um, but I'm just saying, like for me, like for me personally, I I, I always look at the information on both sides, mm. and I don't have any emotional attachment to it in any way, shape, or form. A lot of people do. I, I like they just react instead of like look. You know what I mean? And I think that's like a key thing that a lot of people don't do is that instead of looking at information or looking at um, ways of doing things, they just react to it based on, you know, some emotional response that they have instead of like analytically, you know, going and looking through the information. Like, for example, if, you know, you're a very liberal person, you know, a a lot of times they won't look at anything that's kind of conservative Mm -hmm. and then vice versa, you know what I mean? Because it's like automatically, it's like, well, I know they're wrong. Well, you don't necessarily know that (laughs) until you look at all the information, right? And then you can be a little bit more, subjective i apologize i'm not trying to get political if that sounded political it's not i'm just saying <laughs> you got to look sometimes you got to look at like a little bit more things to broaden your horizons and kind of like where i'm going with this part a little bit is like for example with music and promotion if all you're doing is just reading stuff by or listening stuff by like you and me and like leah McHenry and monica and you're not branching out you know what i mean there's a whole 
whackload of stuff you could be bringing uh, into your own marketing and into even into your own art. Mm. You know what I mean? If you if you venture out a little bit, like if you went and read a whole bunch of books on, for example, you know, copywriting. You know, you would probably be so much better at writing your own musical ad copy, um, even just writing your bio, your promo, all that type of stuff. I'm not trained in copywriting. I've only read one book in it. I'm just giving that as an example. Mm. Um, But that's just one example right there, right? Like there's all these different things that you can do to kind of like different skills from outside your immediate zone you can use to make your music more uh, broadly known. Yeah, that makes sense. It it definitely does, and I think I think in in the world that we live in now, where DIY is far more celebrated than it ever has been in the past, and in some in some cases out of necessity, just the way that the environment is, you know, the amount of from a music point of view, the amount of people that work in the industry, whether they be an artist or or in other another facet, um, have begun to embrace the multi skilled approach where. You can yep. do a whole bunch of different things. I mean, some of the best business owners that I know are musicians because they've yep. just realized that, you know, they, they've had to take initiative themselves to build up their own skill set and expand what they do and become this yep. multifaceted sort of little enterprise that, and that's their, that's their branding. That's their world. And I think that's, that's super exciting. And for some musicians, they've, they've absolutely re, uh, rebelled against it because they've been stuck yep. in, in the romantic, uh, vibe of, of being a rock star from the 80s where you just uh, rock up to you know a record label and they give you a hell of a lot of money throw you on tour and you just get to party all the time and then you write an album yep. once a year or whatever it might be and it's just yep. not like that and um it's it's just i think for me i'm i've always sort of fed off that self-development aspect so when when there's a gap uh, i try my best and it's, i'm far from perfect but I try my best to try and fill that as much as I can, um, and and leverage off people that have a have a strong skill set in a particular area. But um, but yep. just trying to have the initiative myself to go, well, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can give this a shot and just see how how it goes. And and before you know it, you suddenly start doing things that you never thought you'd you would ever do. So it's um 100%. it's it's very. I mean that that happens in all all industries. I think, but it's very prevalent in in music because of just the way that the whole industry has been thrown upside down over the past decade. Uh, so it's. Great. I think it's really exciting. Yeah, and the other thing too is like one one key point you said is kind of like doing it all on your own initiative. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you have to kind of like be willing to kind of figure out what it is that you need to learn or what it is that you need to do rather than just depending on everyone else to kind of tell you or let you know, you know what I mean? It's like, if you like with you, for example, like you, you want to promote Lord's albums, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're not just sitting there going like, well, I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything. You keep looking for creative ways. You keep, you know, you use different avenues. You try to think up different things to do versus just kind of sitting there being the effect and going like, Duh, I don't know what to do, but a lot of people do that. Yep. You know what I mean? So that's one kind of a key thing that you kind of got to keep in mind. I'm saying to listeners is that you have to, you know, kind of shift the viewpoint from being like, I can't do anything about it to what can I do about it mm. in any area that you're trying to work on creatively or business wise, promotion wise, that type of thing. Agreed. I mean, I think we could be talking for hours. Um, and I've only I'm just scraped sure the. Uh, yeah, I've, I've only just scraped the surface. I was looking at my notes. I thought, ah, uh, yeah. I've, I think I, I touched the first 
part, I think, a little bit. Um, but I, I'm, I talk too much. Sorry. No, no, it's oh man, I'm I'm so thankful you do. <laughs> I'm so thankful you do. Sometimes, um, I, I'm sure you've seen it as well. Um, doing podcasts, sometimes you'll talk to somebody and it's you just got to put a little bit more effort to get them going. You know, you got to get them yep. get them talking a little bit more than a a one or two word response. So no, it's yep. um, this is you know when people have an actual conversation, it's 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 gold. It's really good. Um, but what I, I might do, um, Curtis, is I reckon, I reckon I'll get you back uh, sooner rather than later. Cause, um, I, yeah, sure. as I said, I only scraped the surface and, um, it'd be cool to get, I think what you guys do really well is you, you have a lot of reoccurring people that stop by mm-hmm. on your podcast and, and talk and touch base. And it's great to, to get different shades of a person. I'm not just one conversation. So I, I've sort of taken a page out of, out of, uh, the book that, uh, you guys have, and um, I'm going to start doing that. So having people pop pop in every once in a while. So I'll get you back soon, and we'll we'll talk a bit more. Cool, cool. I'm happy to do that. Um, one, uh, we still got a little bit of time. Or yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because one one thing I just just about the repeating guest thing. One thing I've noticed is like there's so much that certain guests can bring to the table, right? So if you if you can get like a lot of times, like you just said, you can only scratch the surface with a like in a one hour conversation, 40 minute conversation. But I mean, like, uh, for example, I mean, we've had, um, many guests on like two, three, four times. Like I think, uh, Lindsay Schoolcraft we've had on like three times because I mean, she is a a do it yourself musician, Mm. you know, and she managed to get herself nominated for a Juno award, even though Mm. she was independent. Right. Yes. She's the ex, she's the ex keyboard or she's the ex keyboardist to cradle of filth, but she did that on her own. And she, you know, she's a full-time musician and she went and she, she joined Leah McHenry's course and she learned all the information while she was on tour with Cradle of Phil. So that way she could have a successful album launch. And I thought that was absolutely fascinating. So that's why we had to have her back three times is because it's just like, there's so much you can learn from someone that did something like that. Like this is a person that was touring the world, like basically full-time and still managed to do a whole course on music marketing. Mm. you know and then launched her own album as a solo artist <laughs> juno the whole night like juno award the whole nine yards like that's just fa- fascinating to me right so like if you if you only have that person on for one time you know, there's like so much stuff you're missing and i mean obviously we can't always get everybody back you know two or three times but i mean i would love to like most of the guests we've had on i generally want to have them back more than once like mm-hmm. you i still want to get back at some point i know i said that before um you know monica we've also had on like four or five times because i mean there's just so much stuff we can talk about and so much valuable information that certain people can give and you know i i i i, I agree with you 100 i don't think one time is enough usually for a podcast guest you usually have to have them back more than once sorry think- that was my feel uh, no, and I, I agree, and I've, I've copped a lot of shit because over the years of doing this podcast, I mean, I've, what is it, about four years of doing it, um, mm-hmm. the amount of times I've wrapped up a conversation and said, we'll do a round two, and then they just never come back, and I've got people that listen going, man, you keep saying that, but these people don't yeah. come back. So, um, yeah, part of my, I guess, not so much a, a, a resolution as such, but um, a thing that I'm going to try and focus more on is is having a uh, some more regular reoccurring people because it's... It's good for them, um, I think, um, but it's yep. also just good for people listening because, yeah, as as you just said with those examples, you you only scrape the surface with people, and and yep. you know if you're if you're making friends with somebody out in the real world, um, you know you don't just meet somebody yeah out and about once and then you never see them yep. again. You 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 meet them multiple times and you see them in different environments and you talk about different things and you get 
all the different textures and colors of a person. So um, I think that's, you know, some of those more successful podcasts out there um, have done a really good job of doing things like that, where they bring people back because it's like, oh, I've, I've got a little bit of um, familiarity with, with a particular person. Um, I've, I've got a bit of background in this person, so I'm a little bit more sort of uh, encouraged to, to listen more um, because I enjoyed the first, the first conversation. And, and that's, that's a bit of personal branding as well. I mean, there's, whole, there's a whole range of benefits that come out of it. Well, not only that, but I mean, the key, the key point too, as well, is if like, this goes back to the sales skills and this kind of goes back to the marketing skills and stuff like that is if you're having recurring guests, you've now kind of got a strategic alliance with them now. Mm. They're part of your network. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, you know, having certain people back as a regular guest or just back on more than once, you're now that much more connected with that person and they're now part of your network. So it's kind of like, you know, they're more, I'm more prone to do stuff for them if they ask me. They're more prone to do stuff for me, uh, for me if I ask them. Um, we're more likely to collaborate. Um, it, it, you just win all around, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, now, like, because Lindsay's been on my podcast three times, I mean, there's pretty much nothing I won't do when she asks me. Same thing with Monica, same thing with Jesse. Same thing with, like, anybody that comes on my podcast, like, multiple times. They've met, they're now part of an alliance basically and you know you're more likely to help them out so it, it's it's not necessarily like i'm not saying it in a manipulative fashion by any means but it's kind of like if you look at it it becomes an alliance in that sense because they're part of your team so it's almost like you're kind of growing your own network and your own um, brand as a result of it they're now an extension of it if that makes sense I think it's it's sort of a case of putting putting yourself out there to give value to other people, you know, instead of yeah. just worrying about what can I get from somebody. It's like, well, what can I do to hopefully contribute something of value to, yes. to somebody else? And then, yeah, if you yes. get something and not expecting it to be a, a transactional sort of thing where you expect something in exactly. return, just getting into the into the habit of just putting things out there and hopefully um, adding some value to, to somebody else's life. And then if something comes out of it, it's great. And I mean, I've done it with the podcast where I've, I've built lots of great friendships with people um, just on a personal level, but um, even sort of a little bit more on a professional level and having this sort of network of people where I've, I've you know, and it's sort of only in hindsight, you sort of look back and go, oh yeah, that's probably come out of the podcast where you find yourself exactly. in there's lots of these weird opportunities that just pop out of nowhere, but it's usually just due to, you know, a link that's happened um, early in an early stage where you've probably had somebody on the podcast to, to have a chat. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, the podcast alone has been such a massive asset for me um, and for my own branding, my own self-development and, and also for the band in a very indirect way, um, just yep. to just, you know, from a warm cell point of views to get people familiar with me and, and talk about a whole bunch of stuff that's got nothing to do with the band whatsoever. But, you know, as people get familiar with me, then they start to feel a little bit more obliged to, to go and give a song a, a crack and, and see what it sounds like. And, and that's, that's helped the band uh, in a very roundabout way, which is good. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, Monica's the best at this, I think. Like, mm. I mean, I don't think you and I would have met, uh, if it wasn't for her, like, like just like that right there, that's come across, that's from basically a podcast. I think you guys met because of a podcast. I'm not sure, yeah. but, um, yeah, there you go. So, I mean, then you and I met, you had Matt on as a guest at one point. Uh, we both promote each other on Twitter, you know, that's just as a result of a podcast and networking. It's now we've kind of like, we kind of have an alliance now, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it works. And that, I mean, that's, 
you're, you're right. 100%. But I mean, it, it, like if, like if you're constantly putting yourself out there and you're also helping the people around you, that builds your network and that will ultimately expand your band as well. Because just as a result of uh, you knowing me and Matt, I'm sure we've, I'm sure more people have checked, checked your band out. I mean, I don't know if it's a ton of people. I don't know if it's just a few, but I'm sure that there's been people that checked it out. And I'm also sure that there's probably people that have checked out our podcast as a result of you interviewing Matt and us interviewing you. Right. So it just expands and expands and not, none of us have expected anything in return from the other at all. And, so. and I mean, we, I think we all, we all naturally like to, like to talk, which is, which is a good thing. And, yeah. and we, I think we all sort of, well, we all, come from the same sort of background of thought where, you know, it's, it's all, it's all branding, it's all marketing, it's all getting out there yep. and talking about different things and, and, and staying in pe- in front of people's uh, attention. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, just uh, very quickly, what you said just before about uh, people being, or uh, discovering the band um, as a result of being on your podcast, the amount of Australians who've <laughs> discovered who I am from your podcast is just ridiculous. I've had so many DMs from wait, people. Wait, wait. From from Austra- Australians that have yes, discovered you. Yes, yes. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So um, we don't have a lot, but okay. Yeah. So we. So I've I've had guys that live in Australia, um, probably yeah. not quite in the same circles as me, um, but in music and maybe there's some mutual acquaintances, um, mm-hmm. but have probably might know of the band or know of me, but in a very distant way, and from just that one. That one chat that we did, um, I had a whole mm-hmm. bunch of people contact me and just say, "Hey, really enjoyed that chat. Um, really cool. Awesome. Um, checking out the podcast, the band, etc." And I'm like, "Who are you?" And I'm looking there, like from awesome. they're from Melbourne or they're from Brisbane or whatever it might be. And I'm like, "Oh, you're like you're closer to me than than those guys. That's that's incredible." So, yeah. you know, I mean, even just from a local point of view, it's it's been it's been quite good. So yeah, it's 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 very powerful. It's it's beneficial, and it's I mean. And it all comes from a good place because I think, you know, naturally everyone just wants to have a chat and, and share ideas and perspectives and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and build each other up in, in a way. Cause I think the, you know, the more, the more people around you that, that are successful, you know, in, in all those different ways, whether it be professionally or personally, then the more successful you're just going to be out of, you know, out of, um, what's the word, like osmosis in a way, because you just, yep. you know, you you're around good people doing good things. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big sort of advocate for that. I agree 100%. And I'm, I'm really glad you told me that because that is awesome news. And I'm really glad to hear that. Perfect. Very good. Well, I think we'll, we'll end on a, on a high note or it's always been a high note all the way through, <laughs> but I'll, I'm going to get you back sure. on in the near future in, in the next few weeks, because um, yeah, I've, um, I think there's a, there's a bit more to, well, there's heaps to talk about anyway. And I think it'd be cool to get, um, get some reoccurring people and uh while we're all uh, spending a bit more time at home, we may as well uh, get a bit more content happening. Well, once you're done recording, why don't we set up an actual time? Because I know what both of us are like. We're going to end up forgetting. <laughs> yes. All right. Sounds good. Well, I'm going to stop recording right now. How's that for committing to another podcast episode? Just lock it in straight away. Uh, by the time uh, you're hearing this, the Second chat with Curtis is done. It's in the bag and will be out in the coming weeks as well. So stay tuned for that one. Another fun chat uh, in store for everybody. But in the meantime, if you want to learn more about Curtis and his world, you can go to duarpr.wordpress.com or you can search for him on the socials, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter by uh, searching duarpr, D-E-W-A-R. 
let him know what you thought of the episode. And yeah, uh, stay tuned for that uh, second catch up with him. Uh, really, really good chat. Uh, at the time of recording this outro, I've already done the second episode with him and uh, a lot of fun. So I reckon you guys will get a kick out of it, especially if you enjoyed this one as well. So there we go. Um, before we wrap it up, as always, if you want to support me, well, the best place to start right now is to go to Patreon, patreon.com slash Andy Dowling. I've got a small legion of super loyal supporters who are getting behind me and helping me uh, take the edge off all the expenses when it comes to this whole podcasting game. And it's just, it's super cool. Uh, So you can start supporting from only a dollar a month. Um, And there's a couple of other tiers there where you get exclusive content, such as the Crazy Talk episodes, which uh, used to be available. Um, So if you go back through um, old episodes, you'll be able to see some of the old Crazy Talk episodes. Um, But they are now moving forward exclusive for Patreon supporters only. Um, And I'm doing some new things with uh, those episodes as well. I'm going to experiment. I've got some new gear and um, we're going to have some fun with that. Um, So it's cool to do something for this little inner circle of of legends who are supporting the podcast. So if you want to be a part of that, go to patreon.com slash Andy Dowling. There'll be heaps of information there. And by all means, shoot me a DM, shoot me a message, an email. If you've got any questions and uh, any suggestions as well, if you want me to continue to contribute to that and build that up, um, it's it's just a fun little platform and I'm only just getting started. So I'm excited to see what the future brings uh, with, with Patreon. But if Patreon's not your thing, you can go to andydowling.net or andysocial.net and check out everything I'm involved with, our band Lord. Um, the other podcasts that I've been doing in the past, Nod to the Old School and Self Starter, they'll come back to life eventually down the track. Um, and uh, you can go to paypal.me slash andydowling if you just want to throw a quick uh, 50 cents my way or whatever it might be. And uh, yeah, and a bit of social media love, of course, uh, sharing these episodes around and doing a bit of love hearting and commenting and tagging and retweeting. It all goes a long way to supporting this podcast. But uh, that's it, folks. Another guest episode coming next week. In the meantime, I'll have a crazy talk episode out for my Patreon legends. And uh, I'm looking forward to sharing some great conversations with you all very, very soon. Until then, folks, take care and ta-ta. Larry. Larry, please.